Life's complicated and overwhelming enough, especially for those of us in mission-driven work. Let's make your journey to health as simple and sustainable as possible. I'm Lisa Baker, and I want to welcome you to the Simply Health Coaching Podcast, where it's the food, and it's more than the food. On the podcast, we'll talk about the food you put in your mouth and everything else that nourishes you or doesn't. My vision is a world in which you can be well while doing good, and my mission is to give you the simple tools and practices to get there. Let's get started. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know what else is coming up in terms of virtual events at Simply Health Coaching. There is only one free Wednesday workshop left in July about figuring out the best food choices. And that one is about discerning whether certain foods are causing unpleasant symptoms in your life. We talk about elimination diets, and I give some tips on how to make the transition to living without things such as gluten, dairy, eggs, etc. We've covered some of this on the podcast, and this is your chance to really dig into your own food sensitivities and uh, do, do the work <laughs> so that you can really figure out uh, whether food is one of your issues. If you missed any of these workshops, you can find the replays in my private Facebook group, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Also in July, pick a remaining Tuesday and join me at noon for a free workshop I call Eat Your Way to Health, which introduces my proven process for getting healthy. You can find more details and registration information at simplyhealthcoaching.com community, and I'll be sure to drop that link in the show notes. And finally, I'll be taking a break from workshops during August. Uh, my family, which has been on three different continents for almost a year, will all be together back in Ann Arbor again. So I'll be busy enforcing face masks and isolation for a bit. A quick note about the series we're in the middle of now on the podcast, uh, which I call the Soul Food Series. We've spent a lot of time talking about food this first season of the podcast, from the best way to eat to how to eliminate foods that might be problematic for us. You'll find all of these episodes on the podcast homepage, starting with episode 12 and running through episode 24, with just a few detours along the way. Before we leave the topic of secondary foods those that we put in our mouths, and move on to primary foods, everything else in our lives that nourishes us or doesn't, I wanted to take a few episodes to introduce us to what I call next level foods. And what do I mean by next level? If you recall, as a health coach, I don't preach a specific eating style, such as vegetarianism, veganism, keto, paleo, etc., Instead, I urge you to find the eating style that works for you as long as you observe a few basic principles. Eat whole foods, cooked from scratch, at home, in moderate portions, and with gratitude. In my opinion, cooking and eating are practices that we develop over time. They don't happen overnight, as my family's experience can attest. It took us about a decade to start eating this way. And the good news is that if you work toward that goal, you'll start to see changes in your health for the better almost immediately. And in the long term, these changes can be truly enormous. If you're already cooking at home from scratch using mostly whole ingredients and eating moderate portions mindfully, these next few episodes are for you. 
And if you're just starting your whole foods journey, remember, take tiny steps, make small tweaks, and stick with it. These episodes are a preview of what comes next, so look at them as aspirational. Over the next few weeks, we're going to explore what I call soul foods. And no, sorry, it's not all about deep fried deliciousness. It's spelled S-O-L-E. Last week, we covered the S in this acronym, which stands for seasonal. And you can follow the link in the show notes to listen to that one. This week's episode is about the O in that acronym, and it stands for organic. Whether or not to buy organic is a thorny issue. There are studies that support the claim that organic is better for you, and studies that will support the opposite point of view, that conventional versus organic, no difference. There are studies that show that genetically modified organisms, GMOs, are harmful to your health and that of the environment, and there are just as many that claim the opposite. So what the heck? Why does the field of food and nutrition have so many conflicting studies? You probably know by now, I'm not the answer lady, I'm the question lady. As with most questions regarding your health, I'm gonna point you back to that still small voice inside you. Do your research, experiment on yourself, and journal about how you feel. We are all bio-individuals, so it's time to stop looking outside ourselves for the answers. You'll probably pick up on my opinion, inclinations below, and that doesn't mean you have to agree. As you do your own research and reach your own conclusions, be very, very careful about which studies you consider in the process. Try to find out who paid for a given study because very often the company that benefits from showing that a product is extremely beneficial or at least totally harmless is the one backing the scientists performing the tests. So a case in point is a UCLA study that found that a posi- they, they found a positive influence on brain chemistry in participants who ate probiotics in fermented milk products. Sounds great. And let me emphasize, I don't discount the findings. But since it was funded by a company that makes a well-known yogurt, I'd look for a little third-party confirmation of the results. An example from the pharmaceutical field recently surfaced in the Journal of American Medical Association, and you can learn more about that in a wonderful blog post by Tanya Elfersey of The Wiser Woman, and I'll be sure to link to that in the notes. Again, I'm not disputing the results, and I'm happy to see the other side of the story before making a choice that's right for me. There are interesting twists to the questions, such as whether GMOs are or are not damaging our health. Are they actually doing what they were meant to do, which is to increase yields and feed the world? Personally, I choose to buy organic, and for now that means non-GMO as well, when I can. But in certain instances, Usually when I know and trust the farmer selling the produce, I will choose local over organic. There are many small farmers who cannot afford or have no faith in the expensive organic certification process, yet they produce so-called ecological food in a sustainable, pesticide and herbicide-free manner, and they pay attention to the greater ecology of their farm, which includes everyone from the bees to the workers, and we'll talk more about that in a couple of weeks. If you buy directly from a farmer at the market or through a CSA, 
ask some questions about the growing methods. If a direct explanation is not forthcoming or is not to your liking, move on. Try to do so with grace. It is not our place to lecture others on the choices that they make. If you get an invitation to visit the farm, particularly without making an appointment ahead of time, you'll know that this grower is all about transparency. There are a few items on which I personally will not compromise in the sustainable organic versus conventional debate, and those are animal products. If you are a vegetarian or vegan, particularly if you live that lifestyle because of animal rights issues, know that I firmly believe in your right to adhere to that type of diet. However, many people feel better on a diet that includes a small amount of, small amount of animal protein. This seems particularly true for women who are struggling with thyroid issues and or the symptoms of perimenopause, likely because, like it or not, animal protein provides the most readily bioavailable high-quality protein, and because our bodies need some saturated fat and cholesterol to make the hormones we need to be truly healthy. I believe that there are plenty of reasons not to shun animal products, provided you know exactly where they come from, how they're raised, and how they're harvested. And I choose that word intentionally, not because it's prettier than slaughtered, but because it implies uh, a mindfulness and an intentionality that slaughtered does not. And I feel that if you choose to nourish your own body with the products of other creatures, you really should make a commitment to honor the animals who give their lives to feed you. I encourage you to learn how to cook and eat all parts of the animal, nose to tail, or beak to tail if it's poultry. And by the way, if you buy your animal products from a local small farmer, you'll notice that these products too are seasonal. What about the cost? There's a quote going around Facebook that says something like this. If you think organic food is expensive, you should try paying for cancer. It's a bit heavy-handed, and yet there's some truth to it. Somewhere along the line, Americans became convinced that food should be cheap. It's interesting that as a culture, we want the best house, the flashiest car, the highest fashion, the newest technology, the best insurance policy, and we're willing to go deeply into debt for these things. But we cringe at spending money on something as important as food. We're delighted when we can coupon ourselves into perceived savings, only to discover that the highly processed and fast foods that these coupons afford us have wreaked havoc on our health. So perhaps it's time to reconsider the true cost of cheap food. What has it cost our health, our environment, and our economy? I think about spending money on quality food as an investment in the future ours and the planets. And stay tuned for the final episode in the Soul Food series in which I'll give you lots of tips for keeping your whole soul food pantry in line with your budget. I wanted to leave you with a few resources if this topic of organic versus conventional interests you. And um, there are numerous books on the market that deal with this subject in much greater depth than I'm equipped to. Michael Pollan's The Omnivore's Dilemma, Orrin Hesterman's Fair Food, 
Nina Plank's Real Food, Eric Schlosser's Fast Food Nation, and Samuel Fromartz's Organic Inc. immediately come to mind if you're looking for recommendations. And again, my strong advice on the subject of organic is this. Do your research, read both sides of the issue, and draw your own conclusions. I personally choose to buy organic, sustainably raised food whenever I can. So now that you're supplied with organic foods and armed with recipes, try eating organic for a few weeks. Record what you eat, and more importantly, journal about how you feel. What do you notice about your digestion, your energy levels, your state of mind? Remember that you are bio-individual. Your results may be different from anyone else's, and they can still inform your food choices going forward. I'd love to hear about your experiments and your experiences. You can leave me a voice message right in most listening apps. And if you'd like to talk more about eating organically and you want some support doing it, schedule a free Your Story session and let's talk about that. That link is also in the show notes. And don't forget to join me for my free virtual workshops in July uh, that you can find at simplyhealthcoaching.com community. And also connect with me in the Simply Health Coaching private Facebook group. Thanks for listening. Let me know your thoughts about the episode and share your biggest takeaways and aha moments. You can send me a voice message directly through Anchor, as well as some of the other listening platforms. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast in your listening app so you never miss an episode. Love the podcast? You can support it with a donation directly from the podcast homepage in most listening apps. If you'd like to know more about my work, visit my website at simplyhealthcoaching.com. Thank you.